Welcome to the Start Here podcast for web development. I'm Keith Monahan, And I'm Dane Miller. And we're here to show you how to build a career in web development. You can find us online at starthere.fm. Hi, Dane. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? Doing well. Busy, uh, busy last week or two. How about you? Yeah, really, really busy as well. We're launching a new uh, application for the company I work for on November 4th. So we're in crunch time. Man, that's coming up here. That's pretty, pretty soon. Yep. So it's been a crazy week. But I'm excited to talk about Ruby on Rails. Yeah. So this is kind of your, um, this is what you've been using quite a lot since you started, right? The thing about Ruby on Rails for me is that I would pretty much state that my career took off because of Ruby on Rails. Oh, because you chose that to, to kind of start with? Right. I, I chose that to start with simply because it was the easiest. And a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about today, the common theme is, you know, developer productivity, speed of development and such. And I feel like I could have never achieved the type of client work that I did so quickly, like month two, month three of me learning Rails or, or even like month one, if if it weren't for Rails's ease of use, right? And mm-hmm. the speed of development. So all these common themes today that we're going to be talking about are really, really integral, I feel like, to to my life and in general and my my career especially. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's exciting. So let's dive right in. Um, when we're talking about Ruby on Rails, uh, Ruby is a, is a language. It's a programming language and Rails is the framework. You know, it's built on top of Rails. Real quick, just an overview about about Ruby as a language itself. Can you give us kind of a background, maybe how long it's been around? Do people use Ruby for anything else besides the web? Sure. So basically, Ruby was conceived by a gentleman named Yukiro Matsumoto. And I'm not really sure how to pronounce his first name, but I believe the last name is Matsumoto. That's how you pronounce that. And it was conceived around February 1993. And the obviously the integration with Rails, Rails wasn't conceived until 2004, 2005. So there was a large period there. Hmm. And I, I really love the name Ruby to start off with. And I think that that was one of the benefits of this language. Hmm. Just the, the name itself it, um, almost emphasizes the simplicity of the language. Hmm. And, and that was a core tenet that Matsumoto had when he was creating this language. It was minimalism developer productivity and efficiency and it just so happens that rails also carries that on which is mm-hmm. which is why you get this exponential d- uh productivity factor mm-hmm. and um so, so the simplicity and the ease of use were really integral to his design of the language and he, he mentions that Perl was some sort of a, a baseline that he used when he was developing and, and some other languages as well this was sort of the time when a lot of people were creating new languages so it makes sense that Ruby was conceived around this time. And I actually mm-hmm. don't know of any use cases for Ruby from 1993 until Rails was invented around like, 2000. Like outside the web. Right. In between that time frame of 1995 to 2004, when David Heinemeyer Hansen extracted Rails from Basecamp, I'm not really sure what it was used for, but I know that there was some people using it for custom web stuff. There was some people writing scripts with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar life to Python in that way. Okay. Python obviously has gained a lot more traction in academia and, and scripting in general, but Ruby also during that early time was used for a lot of scripting as well. Interesting. Okay. Is there anything that sets Ruby apart from other languages? I mean, you mentioned some of the the ideas, the core tenets of 
simplicity and and like programmer productivity is is that kind of it or are there other ideas yeah i mean i think the simplicity is the big one so if you watch matsumoto give talks or conversations on this topic he always mentions how minimalism is like a huge tenet to him and how it was really important building ruby um and I should mention that Ruby 1.0 didn't come out until 1996. So it was conceived, you know, early in the 90s. 1.0 obviously didn't come out until later in the 90s, similar mm. to Node. Node.js uh, was in the zero point version numbers for a long, long time. Yeah, so it had a very similar life cycle to that in a way. But hmm. Ruby emphasizes simplicity and developer productivity. So, and I mentioned that before, but but I'll just say it again that I think the way that you use Ruby as opposed to other languages is very different. So an example might be just common things that you do in development, like iteration or, you know, various types of looping, various filtering techniques, various sorting techniques, all these different types of things that in other languages might be more cumbersome or syntax mm -hmm. heavy to write, even calling functions, mm -hmm. defining functions, passing around parameters. It, all of this stuff that you do in a language in Ruby, Matsumoto tried to make it as simple as possible, and he tried to use as little syntax as possible. Ooh, I like that. Right. So with C++ and in other languages, if you're a Ruby developer and you go to Objective-C, you will be like almost amazed at how many brackets there are, right? <laughs> it's like there's languages where they almost it almost seemed like they were trying to go for as much syntax as possible. <laughs> Whereas Ruby was the complete opposite. And that, that's one of the core tenets that I feel like the community has really enjoyed over the course of its run. Okay, cool. So that's Ruby. And then we want to talk about Rails as well. Um, and so Rails commonly known as Ruby on Rails. Mm -hmm. um, what is the prolification of Rails, right? What, how many people, how many companies use it in comparison to other frameworks and where does it sit within the, you know, server-side framework world? So, well, I should just back up and say Ruby on Rails started by, obviously, David Heinemeyer Hansen, who is a partner at 37 Signals, now called Basecamp. And he developed Ruby on Rails as a framework for Ruby when he was building Basecamp as a mm. contractor for Jason Freed at 37 Signals. Oh, and wow. yeah, he was actually in Denmark and was working remotely and was working, um, was building this framework. And then after a certain period of time, he realized that the community would really enjoy this or he thought. And so he open sourced it, I believe in 2004, 2005. I think the first um, commit, commit rights were given in 2005. And from there on, it really has prolificated a lot in the startup communities. And I think we'll talk about that in a minute, but really that's sort of the genesis of Rails as it stands. Okay. What do you know about as far as how it's used in production compared to other, other frameworks? The consensus really is, I feel like in the community is that Ruby on Rails will probably never be as big as PHP and that's okay. And I feel like everybody in the community understands that and everybody's okay with that. It's not trying to be as big as those communities. You can mm -hmm. think of it a lot like Apple in a way. And I know this is a really bizarre analogy perhaps, but I view PHP and PHP frameworks almost like Windows. And I view Ruby on Rails a lot like Apple. So they both have um, different philosophies. They both have different uh, frameworks and one has a lot more use than the other, right? So Windows is still probably 90 plus percent of the computers on the planet, whereas Apple is very small, but very powerful. And a lot of 
creation and a lot of media creation, especially happens in an Apple environment. And that is exactly a, well, I mean, I think that's a great juxtapose to Ruby on rails and Mm. PHP. So obviously PHP is used a lot more, a lot more popular, uh, ASP.NET is very popular as well. Java is very popular. These are all very popular frameworks that are very dominant in the world of of programming, especially on the web. But Ruby on Rails, you can think of as like a a strike team. So a lot of startups will use Ruby on Rails because you can develop quickly, you can develop fast, you can get MVPs out the door very rapidly. Okay, well, let's talk about that for just a second, right? Because when I've done some comparison research about Rails and some other backend frameworks that may be on PHP or or JavaScript, the thing I keep hearing about Rails is is this idea of convention over configuration. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what you're getting at, right? I mean, that's what's enabling these startups to put out a product so quickly. What does that mean? What is convention over configuration? Right. So that's exactly right. That is kind of the overarching theme that I'm getting at with that with that answer is that due to the way Rails provides you all the conventions you need without having to configure anything, you can get things done much, much faster, mm-hmm. much more quickly. Um, specifically, what convention over configuration means is that you don't have to configure a lot. It all comes by convention in the framework. So if you just follow the conventions, which are the standards, the best practices, etc., you will be able to get an application up and running very, very quickly. And what is also really, really great about that is that all the deployment clouds that integrate with Ruby on Rails all understand those conventions. And because you utilize those conventions and they utilize those conventions, deploying a Rails app is literally like one keystroke. Hmm. right one key command and in versus php or python perhaps you can make it more complicated obviously rails usually is more complicated but at its simplest most basic level it is very easy to work with because everybody that follows these conventions is all on the same page so the whole community is on the same page in a sense because of that and it Hmm. allows for great prolification of question and answering stack overflow is just excuse the pun, but literally overflowing with, with answers to Ruby questions because people always have the same questions and it's Mm. almost like they could figure it out themselves, but based on the convention, the community is here to just tell you the right way to do it. Okay, cool. So there's kind of a prescription. Right. And you could probably tell me with PHP, it seems as though just, I mean, I haven't been a PHP developer for probably like many, many years, five plus years. And it seems to me as though when you set up a new PHP app, you can configure it in any number of ways. And perhaps there's no one best way to do it. For sure. I would say that's a fair description compared to to Rails uh, when you're developing an application. And that's the great thing about PHP is it's so flexible. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I mean, it's very appealing, you know, what you're talking about with Rails, how there's kind of a prescribed way to do things. And if you follow that pattern, then you get to have the benefits of all of these productivity hacks kind of. Yeah. And it's, again, I really love the analogy of the the way Apple does things to the way Rails does things because the Apple concept of having software and hardware built by the same company hmm. is it results in the same type of user experience that happens as a developer working with Rails because hmm. you're using the conventions that both the deployment vehicle as well as your local host all understand the same conventions. So it's all the same. Everybody's on the same page again. And I think that's the most important. That's pretty cool. So when did, when did people start using rails? When did it come onto the scene? 
Rails really, as I mentioned, I think in a minute ago, it came onto the scene in 2004, 2005 when he originally abstracted it from Basecamp. But I think what you're getting at is when did it really become popular? Mm-hmm. And it didn't really become popular until roughly 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009. These are all years where you see where you see a hockey-like stick curve going up into the right with Rails adoption. Mm-hmm. And again, Rails isn't as popular as PHP, but it was really embraced by the startup community. A lot of the prolification of Rails came from Eric Ries, who was the author of The Lean Startup and really mm-hmm. went around prophesizing about this lean startup uh, mentality and how to build quickly and iterate rapidly and, and develop and develop and mm-hmm. with okay. speed and all these things. And he really... Um, was a huge proponent of Rails, and, and okay. that also helped, I think. Uh, so as kind of, so Eric Ries talked about the minimum viable product, right? Being able to get yeah. something out the door quickly, and I guess, so Rails excels at that, right? If you're following yeah. convention, okay. I think so. Are there specific things that Rails does really well compared to other frameworks and things that it doesn't do very well? Again, Rails is really great for startups or anybody that wants a minimum, you know, for instance, for me, I do a lot of freelance work and I focus on management based applications for clients that need mm-hmm. and and especially clients that need them done within two weeks. So that is very much a job description for Rails. So anything that you need that has data entry involved, perhaps some sort of uh, form collection of, of data, et cetera, you know, a basic web app that you would write on the web, um, pretty much anything like that is, is perfect for rails so hmm. and i've used it a lot for that sort of thing but but you'll see it used constantly in more complex applications twitter was first started in rails tons of, of sites are first started in rails and then they move on to other frameworks as their complexity grows mm-hmm. one thing that's really interesting about rails is a lot of people are interested or in the past few years have been interested in how it doesn't scale now we all saw twitter uh, run rails and we all saw twitter fail uh with the fail well over and over again and people mm-hmm. started to blame rails and there was this big notoriety that rails can't scale and then david heinemeyer hansen went around preaching that rails can scale and it was this whole big thing now what we've all come to i think is the understanding that it doesn't matter if it's rails or java or asp or whatever it all just matters how you use it, right? And how you build right. the server-side infrastructure. And so what a lot of people are doing nowadays is they'll have Rails on the server and then they'll have like the Rails serve an API. Hmm. So the Rails will serve JSON. And let's say that you have like some really complex like chat feature or some really crazy data mining that you need to do in between the JSON from the database and the client. What they'll do is they'll build services. So Twitter is famous for this. They'll build like a service using a language um, such as Haskell or something crazy specifically tailored for that service. And then they'll do all the data crunching and business logic inside that service and then send it on to the client, which interpret, you know, ingests that data that has perhaps been JSON from the server on Rails, then to the service and, and something else, and then JSON out to the client. Then the client is obviously using some kind of backbone or thick client framework that ingests that data and then displays it. And that, that's pretty much the typical stack. So mm-hmm. you have like the Rails server, some kind of services in the middle if needed. Oftentimes you don't. And then the client usually utilizing some kind of Java JSON parsing front end framework to, to display mm-hmm. the content. And okay. with, with that sort of a paradigm, 
I really don't think you'll have any problems scaling Rails that plus an infrastructure that is solid. So that whole, what does Rails not do very well? Well, it doesn't scale. That's not really a valid or legitimate mm-hmm. point of view. And I just wanted to get that across. Sure. Okay. Yeah, interesting. And you kind of touched on some of the, what I was going to ask for my next question here is what other technologies are typically used with Rails? Like, mm-hmm. are there uh, popular or favorite like templating engines and like, mm-hmm. I don't know if we've ever talked about package managers, but maybe what are those and like, how does that work? Sure. I, I'll start at package managers and go backwards. So package managers on Rails, are, the packages are called gems. And they're basically little, there, there's another convention over configuration sort of situation here. So there's a convention for the way that you build and open source and write your gems. And then there's a place that you put them, like Ruby gems. And it's a hosted environment. So the Ruby gems points to a GitHub repo or something. And then basically when you go to include a Ruby gem in your project, you type in gem space, the name of the gem. And then when you bundle install, which means like update the code for the gems, um, it will pull the latest version from rubygems.org. Rubygems.org will go to GitHub and verify that that version is linked and everything is good. And then that version is what actually gets deployed mm-hmm. into your project. So you can actually lock down gems on a version basis, which is really useful. So you don't have versions changing all out of whack. Okay. Um, there's a more complex uh, contract there. There's a contract between the gem developer and you that the gem developer probably won't break any popular Rails versions. Again, it's nice to have the, the small amount of detail to be able to to lock down gems to versions. Okay, cool. And so a package is basically just trying to add maybe like functionality to your app? Yeah, so a package in most languages is a common set of functionality or component that is global or can be utilized by more than one application. So for instance, mm-hmm. DateTime is a Ruby standard library because it's so standard that everybody is going to need it at some point. So that makes sense. But let's say you want to do DateTime manipulation in UTC or from PST to UTC, and then you want to put some superset functions on top of that that like do some specific type of manipulation, but you still think it's useful to the community, then you would make that a gem. You know, you would have put that gem up on Ruby gems and put it on GitHub, and then other people could install that gem and then utilize those those methods, those public methods that you've you've um you've given them, which is really nice. And a lot of mm-hmm. people have a lot of great gems that increase the productivity of developers quite a lot, especially yeah. when it comes to testing and doing fake data. The community is really crazy, and and that's why I also recommend Ruby on Rails to newcomers. Because the community is so vast, it's right. not, it not only helps answering questions, that's, and it does, and there's great tutorials because of that, et cetera, but also there's gems for everything, right? So because the community is so vast, the gems are so vast, and there's mm-hmm. so many choices, and almost, you know, building a Ruby on Rails app is almost like being a construction site manager. Mm-hmm. You're basically just putting blocks together. Like this gem for this, this gem for this, and this is the standard gem for user verification, and this is the standard gem for user authentication, and and you put all these blocks together, and then you build your complicated set of of abstractions on top of that, or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's one thing about the community that I really like as well. 
And then to answer your your first question, that what technologies are really common with Rails, it actually varies quite a bit. I mean, you won't see everybody in Rails using one thing, just like in Node or PHP, you won't see that, but you'll see a common set. So for JavaScript, you'll usually see Angular, Ember, and Backbone, which is no surprise, those are the biggest. Um, Ember was actually built by Yehuda Katz, who was a Rails core member, recently retired, but for many, many years, I think plus... 10 years or seven years at least. And um, his framework is really optimized for Rails. And actually Backbone is as well in, in Angular. I can't really say too much about that, but but they've all they all work with Rails really, really well, and you'll see them used quite literally almost every time somebody builds a Rails app that's in production. Hmm. Now, okay. other technologies that you'll see used as well, Rails provides um or the community has provided gems for almost every major library for CSS. So things like Compass, um, obviously the CSS in Rails, uh, Rails comes with SAS by default. So it's a mm. CSS superset that you can do more advanced CSS manipulation on. So a preprocessor. Mm-hmm. And um, the community provides great support for things like Compass and Bourbon and pretty much like bootstrap foundation, all these types of CSS um, libraries and frameworks and fun stuff. They've, they've all been provided as gems. So it's super easy to get a rails app up and running with your favorite um, SAS modification or less superset or whatever you want. And then also to add your JavaScript framework, it's all super easy. And then um, all you need to do is make sure that your server returns JSON, which by default, the Rails server will return HTML. So if you're mm. using like Rails scaffolding, so that's one thing that I think Rails could improve upon in the future is by default return JSON. Mm-hmm. But um, that's just something to keep in mind. Okay. So you touched on uh, my next question here a little bit. Um, wanted to ask about the community. What is your perception of the the Rails community? And you've definitely talked about this a bit, but maybe more specifics. And are there some different communities? And how is that experience compared to maybe other frameworks or other language communities that you've gotten some experience with? I would say the Rails community is my favorite programming language community out there. To think about like the Rails community, you really need to think about where the community exists at. And then you have another step where you can abstract that and think about the community as a whole. So first let's think about where the communities exist at. So there's a Rails community on Stack Overflow. There's Rails communities in forums. There's Rails communities in tutorial sites that have comments with really nice people asking questions and answers like Railscasts and, mm. and so on and so forth. And people gather and communicate in IRC and the IRC for Ruby on Rails has been notoriously incredibly popular along with Node.js and, and so on and so forth. So there's all these types of uh, different places that you can go to, to get into the community. But there's a couple overarching themes that you'll find in everywhere ev- that you'll find everywhere you go. And one of those is helpfulness. Everybody that I've run into in the Rails community is super, super helpful. Hmm. And as a quote unquote newbie starting out in a language or some kind of place, you usually want to seem as though you're not a newbie so as to be accepted by the like Jedis of the community. Mm-hmm. But Ruby on Rails, I mean, it's a little bit like that in a way, but it's less like that, I think, than other languages that I found. And Node.js is a little bit like that as well. Okay. Another one of the overarching themes I would say is that you will find 
answers to questions on pretty much anything. So if you have a very, very specific question, you can find an answer for it because uh, here's why. The Rails community is pretty much the only community around Ruby that I know of. I'll give you an example. If I have a PHP question and I go to ask it, if it's a little bit of a general question, maybe the first response is going to be, hey, what framework are you using? Is this a CodeIgniter question, a Laravel question? Is this a uh, et cetera question. Mm-hmm. But with Rails, if you're asking a question about Ruby or how it integrates with something, everybody is just going to assume that you're using Rails. Mm. And because of that, you get a lot of prior knowledge, prior art that is developed in these communities and people asking questions on things that you're going to run into. Like if you just Google, for instance, how to build a chat application on Ruby on Rails, I've never searched that, but I can guarantee you there's going to be like five tutorials on that or Mm -hmm. at least two or three. Mm -hmm. And the reason is it's all the same. It's just one framework, one language, you know, whereas PHP is one language and like 10 frameworks. And, And all of this ties back together with Ruby being super helpful. So because of all that, it's just a really great place for beginners and, and just people that are trying to learn to code, you know, because of all that. You've painted Rails in a really good light. I kind of want to get in and do some some exploring with that. That's yeah, fun. and I, sh- I should say, so all my opinions on Rails, I should say, are highly biased because I love Rails and I hate PHP and I <laughs> and I'm indetermined on Python. And, you know, so I'm one of those like, you know, quote unquote, like Apple apologists, but for Rails. So I, I love Rails and I will always, you know, proliferate Rails as much as I can because I really believe it has all these benefits that I'm saying. And yes, other languages could have some of these benefits. And yeah, the community in Python is really okay. And yes, Node.js is getting to be very popular and the community is very cutting edge. And I understand all that. But the Rails community has just been around for so long, and the Node.js community is a little bit like run-and-gun Wild West, whereas the Rails community is a little bit more mature. I would Mm -hmm. say quite a bit more mature. It's used in more production apps. It's been around for longer. People have had to deal with it in scale for longer. The questions are are much more detailed, and the answers are much more detailed because of that. So... You know, you have these people like the infrastructure engineers at Twitter who have had to deal with Rails scaling. If you rewind the tape back two years ago, you probably never would have met anybody that had to deal with Node.js scaling or maybe three years ago. But you still would have been at a time where you had people that had dealt with Rails scaling. So we're just in this interesting time where Rails is at a great time to get in. And if you really want to be on the cutting edge, I would recommend Node.js. But again, you're not going to find that same type of clarification that you do in the Rails community. What is the best, the single best resource for learning Ruby on Rails? Sure. So the best resource that everybody goes through when they're just starting Rails, pretty much no matter what, is the Ruby on Rails book, which is railstutorial.org slash book. Hmm. And there's some paid products as well. I think he offers like a paid book or something. There's some some kind of paid monetary thing that he does to try and make money. But Michael Hartle has made this book for many, many, many years. And I, I first got into it like five years ago when I was starting. And it's still around and it's updated every single time Rails is updated. And he will basically walk you through step by step from the beginning to the end how to create a Twitter clone. I believe he also hmm. teaches you how to create a blog 
that has been a really beneficial thing for pretty much everybody I know. Now, once you move beyond that, then you get into the land of, okay, I need assistance on a project by project basis. If you know the basics and say you have a client project and you need assistance on how to build user authentication, then most people are going to turn to Railscasts. Now, Railscasts are a, it's, it's railscasts.org. Now, Railscasts have been around for many, many years and have been invaluable to, to pretty much everybody in the community. It's created by a guy named Ryan Bates, who is an absolute genius from my point of view, but also he's really good at teaching and he's really a great screencaster. He, he explains things really well and they're really easy to understand. Unfortunately, Railscast has been on a hiatus since I believe September of last year or yeah. some, somewhere around that. They've, he's been gone for a long, long time and there's a mm. banner on his site if you go there about when he's going to be back. The reason I'm explaining that to you is as a user, all his episodes are going to be outdated. So he still will teach you the basics, but a lot of his stuff is going to be outdated because it's over a year old. There's a, a couple other communities that are popping up and we'll include links in the show notes to various Rails casts communities where people are doing screencasts for Rails development now and not a year ago. Although we all love Ryan Bates and everybody is respectful of him, I will say that it is a little bit of an old out of date resource now, which is mm -hmm. super, super unfortunate because I love that guy and I love his teaching style and I would love to recommend this. And I will still recommend that you check it out and watch the videos just for education you know, again, it's it's a little out of date. I guess so jumping back just a second, uh, getting back into the framework and kind of how it's used, what, how is it used locally? You know, I mean, so people are going to work on their local computers and what does that mean to do that? Because like in Windows, you might set up a server, but what does that mean for Rails? So Rails started becoming bundled with Mac in 10.5. Oh, wow. And basically, I believe Mac still bundles Rails version 1.8.5 and or 1.8.7, and it has for many years now. So basically, hmm. what that means is you can open up your brand new Mac computer without installing anything, go to the terminal and type Rails new and then the application name, and then it will bundle install and create the application folders. Then you CD into the directory, and then you type Rails server, and then you're done. You basically wow. have a localhost setup running that you can then go to localhost 3000 in your browser and see it. That is so easy. Mac might include a old version of Rails, but Mac does provide Ruby. So upgrading Ruby is a little bit more difficult. You have to install, you know, usually you will install a Ruby version manager, which is a management application to install different versions so that you can switch them back and forth. And then based on that, once you enter into a version of Rail of Ruby, then you'll install Rails. Very easy. You just type Jim install Rails. Gems are something that Bundler creates. And Bundler, I believe, is installed by default on every Mac. You know, I haven't had a brand new Mac in a while, so I'm not super familiar with what comes by default. But mm -hmm. basically, the workflow is in a directory, once you have Rails installed and the Ruby version that you want, basically you'll just type Ruby new project name and then CD into the directory after it's run. And then you just type Rails server. And then basically it starts up the server and you're good to go. So so basically that's the simplicity mm -hmm. of starting a localhost development in Rails. Then you obviously modify the code and restart the server if you need to and start building your application from there. Okay. Yeah. So that's definitely different than what I have to do on, on Windows. That's pretty incredible that you have, essentially you have a server ready to go from the get-go with your Mac computer. 
Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people love it because of that. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that helps me understand why a lot of developers who use Ruby are diehard Mac fans, right? So it just right. it integrates really well. Well, and so if you were to develop an app on your computer, you've got it all finished, all, all polished and ready to go. What is deployment like? How do you get, and we've talked a little bit about this, but f- specifically with Ruby on Rails, What's it like to deploy an application? So we talked about this in another episode, how deployment is usually a process of copying files from a local environment to a production environment. And that's pretty much the gist of it, right? So you copy files from local to production environments, usually from your local host computer to a server, and then you'll switch things. So you'll switch the database from the development one to the production one, and et cetera, et cetera. Now, with PHP, that might be a complicated process, and I'm not so sure about that, but with Rails, it's super easy because of the conventions. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically what that means is all of these deployment clouds, such as AppFog, Heroku, EngineYard, all of these companies that build these deployment clouds that that ingest Rails apps, they all understand these conventions. And because of that, they've made it super easy and provided you APIs so that you can deploy in one one line. So literally, um, the current app that I'm working on is hosted on Heroku, and Heroku is noto- is famously very, very simple to deploy to. So I'll have my application in my terminal. I'll have the server running. Maybe I'm done developing. I'll close the server. I'll command C or control C or whatever to, to, to exit out of the server. Then I'll simply type git push, you know, push all the assets up to git. And then once that's done, I'll just do git push Heroku master. And basically Heroku has a hook into git. So you could basically, um, you basically push Heroku has an API. So you push to Heroku and then it knows what, what to pull from GitHub and then what branch to push that to on Heroku. So, so there's hmm. some common paradigms there and AppFog and EngineYard have their own paradigms as well, but they're all very similar, right? So they'll all okay. usually ingest from GitHub to their app on some sort of branching uh, right. scheme. So it's pretty simple to go from your local environment and, deploy it somewhere and then get it on the server yep right okay awesome that's pretty cool i think that was a good overview um so if our listeners have more questions about rails we would love to um, answer those but well probably dane more specifically um and so let us know if you've got questions you can find this show and the show notes on our website at starthere.fm slash webdev slash nine and I'm at Dane at starthere.fm. You can email me, as Keith said, with any questions, mm-hmm. um, anything at all. We'd be happy to hear from you. Absolutely. So thanks for stopping by today. We will catch up with you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.